today we're going to have a very superhero orientated episode and we're going to be looking at uh, a few low budget, very well known uh, superhero films. And we're also going to be looking at some huge news on the DC front as well. So stay tuned, everyone. And uh, you and I are both just laughing here. Jack, you got to know what episode we're I was about to do something special for episode 10. Like, oh, sorry, so, mate. So, you know, a little, little something special. We've hit 10 episodes um, and it's a beauty now. Um, Feel free to do that in post. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, too, it's too good, mate. Um, that's the beauty, the beauty of the podcast. And uh, next time we probably should do a little bit more research. Uh, but we've, so we've hit episode 10, guys. Thank you for all. Uh, listening so far to this this first nine episodes and today the tenth episode, you can follow us at screen underscore blend on all platforms. And also, if you've got any questions for us, we haven't really pushed questions, Jack. Um, they can email us at screenblend2019 at gmail.com yeah. and send any questions and any topics you'd like us to talk about because you, the listeners uh, and the viewers, are the most important people. So if you want to uh, hear us or watch us discuss something, Chuck it through and, and we'll have a chat there. But there's some really interesting news. And obviously Jack stuffed up the intro, forgetting which episode it was. <laughs> How many copies have you had this morning, mate? Oh, I'm only a quarter way through my first one. So yeah, see, that's the problem. You haven't sense. got up enough. You haven't prepared enough for the podcast. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> get into it. Give me a break. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'll take the lead of the start because I've already gone for a walk this morning. Had a nice little oh, apple, apple and walnut muffin um also to get me going nice little coffee so but i can see right here from my view that there is some serious rain coming i reckon just across the horizon it looks like it's going to be a bit of a disastrous day i think it's drizzling a little bit so hopefully everyone's audio is good and everyone's safe at this time but there's some big news today mason we'll start with the biggest stuff and i'm thinking i might make the title of this episode the most clickbaity thing in the world um but finally hashtag release the snyder cut is coming uh, what's your immediate thoughts on this one, mate? After we obviously spoke about the DCEU in episodes eight and nine, so go back and give those a listen uh, at Screenplay. But yeah, mate, what's your immediate thoughts? Yeah, well it's, well, it's huge news. So this was announced last night during a screening of uh, Man of Steel with Henry Cavill and Snyder himself and his wife. And at the end of the screening, they were like, big news, we're releasing the Justice League cut, my cut. And so fans are excited. I'm pretty keen whether it will be interesting because it's been rumored for all these years and how much footage actually exists yeah. and how much money he's been given by HBO because this will be premiere um, starting 2021 on HBO yeah. Max. So how much money he's been given for that sponsorship, whether he can actually go back and you know edit a bit more, add a few more scenes that are needed. Uh, but I think this is wonderful news and I think the DC community is absolutely pumped to see what he's got for his cut. Uh, I think this is, again, uh, obviously we were talking sort of last week at the start of the, one of the shows uh, regarding content on these streaming services. And I think a lot of people are now looking at, obviously there's not going to be, everything's shut down now. So a lot of stuff in 2021 that was maybe planned for release has been pushed back. So I could see a HBO and a Warner Brothers right now going, all right, we probably didn't want to do this, but we sort of have to because we need some content and we need some buzz to get people on our HBO Max subscription services. And for the 20, 30 mil that they're rumoured to talk about to get this thing finished, uh, they'll Mm. probably end up getting at least back in subscriptions where when this is released um, at the start. So a couple of interesting things has come out since. And again, every Tom, Dick and Harry is talking about opinions on on this and and how it will be released. 
there has been people saying it may be the original two-part movie or they're even talking a like four-part uh released style show like hour-long episodes because mm. as you said they they think there's about four hours of content there and you may be able to get four sort of longer form episodes and to string it out a little bit so instead of doing it like yeah. a movie and they're saying they may bring back the original cast uh, for some scenes just to tie some connective tissue in there. To Edit Cavill's some... moustache out. For the yeah. Uh, well, I think, again, I'd be interested to see how many of those scenes actually just got thrown in again. Like, Because once we see this, we'll 100% know, well, that was redone, that was 100% redone, mm. this was 100% redone. So I think it will be interesting if they can get back the main players and, again, from everyone's social media stuff over the last couple of years, you feel like majority of them will probably come back and help out for a week or two once productions yeah. can mm. can come back. And I know, uh, I think we spoke about last week again, is the UK has sort of put together some stringent laws on sort of film productions coming back, but they know it's important for their industries that they do come back. So what? what how would you like to see this just released as a three, three-hour movie? Because I'm guessing there'll be three hours at least of content. Or would you be interested in seeing like a two-part show four parts released weekly mm. for, for a month or thrown out all at once and we just get a massive binge watch together yeah well that's a good question but i think hbo from a money perspective and financially i think now you've mentioned it i think mm. releasing it in those two to four parts across a wide range you know of weeks would you know keep members subscribed and keep them going over just showing one movie that people can quickly torrent release onto the internet and they've lost their money, at least releasing four episodes, people stay tuned in. Yeah. They'll keep the subscriptions to watch it, you know, throughout these four parts. Yeah. Personally, I would like to see a two-part movie, yeah. you know, get that extra footage, get anything he needs so he can fill in the holes that were, you know, in the original Justice League um, or anything Whedon had originally done. Uh, so I, I would be much, much rather see a two-part movie come out of this rather than four miniature yeah. episodes, so to speak. But I think if I was HBO right now, you know, they're doing pretty well. You know, they bought the Friends special. They've, you know, got a quite a good lineup for next year in terms of purchasing certain rights. But uh, yeah, financially, I think releasing it over longer episodes and cutting the movie into a certain amount of parts might actually be the best decision for them. Yeah, I think this is, we've, like we said, we've been speaking about this one for a while, but we, we all never thought this was going to happen. And this is the beauty of the streaming service in the end is, uh, Warner Brothers and their connection with HBO have allowed this allowed this to happen. I, I think the financials and a lot of the financials for a lot of things at the moment is going to be the interesting part for a lot of these things coming through in the next 12 to 18 months regarding streaming services. So I, I would love to see a, a two-parter and it might have not been his original Justice League 1 and Justice League 2 sort of vision, mm -hmm. but it may be something in the end that resembles something like that at, at least. And uh, I think it's, it's interesting. And it gives us a bit of hope uh, in this time to see his original vision. It's, it's something that obviously we spoke about in the episode or part one of our DCEU sort of chat. And we, we may, when this obviously comes out in time, uh, have a chat about this uh, closer again and, and the longer term vision of what Zack Snyder wanted. But I just think it's interesting that they've come back and they have allowed this to happen. But I think it's, just, it's a sign of the times. Uh, it's a chance yeah. for him to also kind of reflect back on it, look at the criticisms that came out of the 2017 yeah. release. And if he has the time and the money, he can, you know, fix it up a little bit more on top of his original story as well. Yeah. So he might have that chance as well. Yeah, this could end up being really good. And now, now just, just painting a picture. So say this comes out and this thing's real good. We love 
uh, let's say Ben Affleck's. Yeah, oh, but let's just say, because like you've just said, he has the ability to go back and maybe watch that actual Justice League movie that he says he hasn't seen, just to have a look and go, well, this was this didn't work and these things didn't work and stuff. Uh, maybe he won't, but what if this Batman's really good? I know Ben Affleck doesn't want to come back, but does this create alternate universes again? Does this create uh, maybe the Flash with their Flashpoint that they're talking about? Does this then push that off to one side and we have multiple Batmans, we have multiple super, like, in a way, because if this becomes popular, uh, mm. could there be a, a universe and a, and a time where we actually go, we want to be seeing um, Ben Affleck's Batman and who's and uh, Sparkly Boy's Batman? What's his name again? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. I don't, well, I don't think this will impact the universe too much. I think this is for the fans and for the fans only, to be honest. I think we will all watch it, but it won't impact the larger DC universe in any way i'm sure affleck definitely does not want to come back to that role he might be happy to come back for a you know cameo but he's not going to buff up for it no. you know, he's not going to put in the effort the money's not there to pay no. for a lot of these yeah. actors it's yeah. hbo max you know that's yeah. television platform so really I, I think yeah they might do little bits and bobs but i think yeah in terms of um changing the whole universe i think that's out of the question unfortunately at this stage yeah, uh, I think you're, you're probably there. So sliding across, uh, segueing in keeping our segue of today of uh, superheroes, uh, Ruby Rose. We, we haven't really spoken too much about Arrowverse yet uh, on, on this podcast. There's so much to, to catch up on. And once you mm-hmm. miss one episode, you miss two, you miss three, you miss a crossover, you miss all of this stuff. Seasons yeah. <laughs> and then shows all together. Yeah. And, and you know what? You can miss some episodes and it wouldn't matter. And then you miss some really important thing from something but ruby rose has left batwoman uh, after one season they just had their season finale last night or the, or the night before depending on where you are in the world and i haven't watched much of it at all to be perfectly yeah, honest neither. but yeah. I, I think it's a an interesting one they, they've <clears throat> pardon me they've just also uh, given us who's playing bruce wayne in the show so how are they going to portray batman in that is he going to come in is this is this a way that they may move it across and get rid of Batwoman or make it more of a Bat family show. Uh, are you interested just, because this is the first time a major recasting has really happened in the Arrowverse. Uh, any opinions on, on that, Mace? Um, well, Ruby Rose is, you know, very, very hard to find a replacement. She's quite unique actress, yeah. really. Um, and I, I, I saw bits and pieces from her role as Batwoman and she plays it really well. I haven't watched the whole series because I do remember it kind of came out of nowhere. I remember her seeing her being cast and that went pretty much straight into production. Yeah. So whether she actually had too much time to, you know, reflect on this role. And I guess at the end of the day, she's not enjoying it. So, but it will mess, I don't know, with fans, you know, might rub the wrong way getting someone in as a sex, you know, even as a replacement. I mean, if they find another way to replace her character as Batwoman, that might be another story. Um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of fans will not be happy about this. But if she's not happy, she's not happy. I think there was a lot, there was a lot of chat at the start of this when she was cast, though, that people weren't happy with the casting. So whether mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of a mutual sort of uh, breakup between both parties that she's looking to do other projects. And I know some people, she consider herself, I think, Obviously, she is a TV star. So the majority of her stuff has been TV. She has played roles in a lot of movies also. So unless she's been looking and, and maybe casting some bigger productions, and we know these 22 to 24 episode shows take up seven to eight months of an actor's yeah. sort of year uh, to get this stuff out. It's, it's a full, 
that's your role effectively and you've got to bounce around on some other things and especially when you're the lead character in in these shows you're on set every day there's no way that you might get one or two days off but no. you probably couldn't get too far away from from where you're shooting uh in a season so i know um when you've looked at some of the behind the scenes of the arrowverse and stuff it's episodes are shot over four days they get a weekend off and they're back for the next episode and uh, they have a little mid-season break, but you're you're there pretty much the whole time, and it's uh, it's not like a movie, I guess, in some way. So maybe she's found something else, and they've worked a way that at the end of the first season they they can get to a bit of a break. Uh, the only other thing we'll have a quick chat about, unless you've got some other news, Jack, is Umbrella Academy season two. A teaser was just released. Now this is on my show and tell subject that I want to watch at some point. And I remember watching the first episode. I just didn't get into it at a time. And I need to go back on one of these disgusting days here in Adelaide at the moment over, over winter and just sort of sit down and, and watch this whole thing because I've heard great things about it. Where does this sit with you? Well, going to a superhero-based episode, I'd recommend seeing The Umbrella Academy. It's, it's got the budget for a Netflix film and all the special effects are really well done. I love the fight scenes. They're actually probably, in terms of television, um, I think they're some of the better... Um, choreographed fight scenes you'll probably see and they're all done to music and I think it's just really fun and it's upbeat and I love the actors you know Ellen Page um, and a few you know not well-known actors uh, are also star but they they all do a really good job and I also like the storyline as well it's to kind of do with the future past tense and somewhat of the apocalypse without giving spoilers so I know I would be interesting to see where season two goes um, but I would definitely recommend it for people yeah who do, do love the genre. Um, sorry to move back to Schneider Cut. I was just crawling through a little bit of Twitter then too. And uh, people are now saying likely to be a four hour cut of the film and split into six chapters. So this may come onto your thing too of a, a longer form, uh, being able to retain subscriptions for a longer mm. time. So maybe 40 minute episodes. And I, I'm not sure because we don't get HBO Max, do we here in Australia? Uh, uh, Foxtel have bought the rights, so Foxtel we'll be on Foxtel. We will we'll get oh, far out. Yeah, Foxtel <laughs> back. Um, but I, th I think they'll be looking at it as a, yeah, a six-week sort of thing, I'm guessing, because majority of those have the try your streaming service for a month and then you just yeah, cancel yeah. your subscription. Time so it well be, enough and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah people, uh, and likely we only saw one-fourth of what Zack Snyder did, so this will likely be a completely new uh, production. So uh, interesting. Uh, the money yeah. is basically spent on VFX and some, some small shooting. So, um, no, I just thought that's interesting because it sort of confirms what, what we were saying and ideas-wise. Now, uh, Mace, we're, we're sort of discussing today some smaller form after our big last couple of episodes on your big budget superhero movies. Now, mm -hmm. sort of looking at the smaller smaller stuff and sort of your... Just, just to give you guys a list of what we're sort of bouncing around and going to talk about today is the M. Night Shyamalan, uh, Unbreakable, Shyamalan uh, Split and Glass sort of universe, uh, Chronicle by Josh Trank, uh, Kick-Ass 1 and 2, Code 8 that was just also released uh, in the last couple of months on Netflix with the um, Stephen Amell and Robbie Amell cousins, sort of small independent superhero powers sort of uh, movie. Uh, and then Push, well back in the day, sort of Chris, Chris Evans, prior to yeah. everything. Um, it was in there. between 2009, yeah. so in between, you know, um, Fantastic Four and Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So these are all films that we've chosen and we think that are really, really good and would recommend you to watch. Um, yeah, when you have the time, because if you like the superhero genre, um, these are probably the pretty well-known ones. But at the time of release, a lot of these weren't as well-known as they are now. A lot of them have a cult following, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, more so the M. Night Shyamalan um, trilogy, I should yeah. say. Yeah, it's so, kind of so slowly where, become bigger. Where, where do you want to start with this? Because I know the Unbreakable and uh, that sort of universe of M. Night uh, was over a long period of time. Now, I haven't seen any of these. So for me, this is a, I'm learning off you today. And yeah. uh, what I think is sometimes an interesting thing for our little little dynamic here is, there's so many things to come out of it and I can play the listener today a little bit. So do you want to give me a bit of a rundown of, of how this sort of series came together? Because I know Shyamalan is known for sort of horror and twists and uh, not my favourite genre of movie. So it's not something that I'd always go and see at the cinema. And maybe this is why sort of your generic, uh, I wouldn't say superhero people or sort of people in that sort of universe would not always go and watch so where where have these sort of come over time and and yeah. give us a sort of a rundown well these films um they're all superhero films um and because they are low budget you know they don't have these huge action set pieces that we've known today so the unbreakable starred uh bruce willis and samuel jackson that came out in 2000 so this is before you know this is before spider-man you know which was the first big kind of hit in 2002 yeah. and it was kind of coming after you know um the batman films of the 90s you know the tim burton ones and they were all they you know, you know they got pretty goofy towards the end so it and this one this movie is quite grounded it's quite dark um but it starts you know with bruce willis um on a train he's not sure where he's you know you're not sure where he's going um he's trying to hit up this lady um doesn't turn out too well next scene son's watching the tv the train crashes and Bruce Willis is the sole survivor of the, of the train crash. Yeah. And he's not sure how he survives. Um, he, he questions that little bit, but he's just fine. He carries on, but all these people have died and he meets uh, Samuel Jackson, Mr. Glass. And he is the opposite side of the spectrum. They both uh, have a weakness to water as they find out throughout the movie. But the movie is mostly about um, Mr. Glass, Samuel Jackson's character persuading Bruce Willis that he is not, um, that he is unbreakable, yeah. that he is invincible, that he can survive anything. And he has got this huge amount of strength that Bruce Willis is pretty much in denial of the whole movie. And the movie is pretty much back and forth um, from him trying to prove that he is this kind of superhero, superhuman being. Um, and no, it's, it's, a, it's a very good film. It, no, no huge budget or anything. You know, there's no huge action set pieces or anything, but it's a really well, you know, character driven narrative that's got a good few twists at the end as well. Um, yeah, no. So, uh, you know, those people who aren't familiar um, with it, definitely give it a watch. But uh, no, yeah, there's, and there's no big super, you know, powers on display. Yeah. Um, it just relies on, you know, a good story. Um, it's quite refreshing. It was, re you know, refreshing at the time to see a superhero um, film, you know, of this magnitude back then, a bit more common now. Um, yeah, and it, and it kind of ties into, you know, all these characters are original. They're not from comic books, no. but it does tie itself to comic book material, um, you know, and those people who do like comic books, you know, can relate back to the characters as well. So where was this in M. Night's, so I'm just looking now, so Unbreakable was 
his fourth film he did straight after Sixth yeah. Sense. One set cuts. I'll be back. Yeah, go, yeah. go for it, mate. Uh, we'll just pause. <laughs> yeah, Jack just had to leave there. So if that's a little cut, someone someone came to the door to drop off a, a new package. So Mace, yeah, I was just saying. So this was sort of Sixth Sense was at the height of M Night, and his sort of Unbreakable was was a a bona fide hit. You you would have to say. Yes. In, in his world of uh, things made a good amount of money. Now again, he'd been given a seventy-five million dollar budget on this, so a bit more cash than previously. Obviously, after Six Sense, did, did really well for him. Mm-hmm. Now we we sort of think uh, at this point again that this is the end of that series. Yes, yeah. So we we now move on to uh, where am I looking now? We get on to Split. So. Now, for, for Split, for me, and the reason why I never saw this is, for me, this is a horror movie in every way of the production, the advertisements, trailers, even I'm looking again at the poster. This is a darn horror movie, and I hate horror movies. So can, can you give me a little bit of a rundown? I understand what the idea of this is, but how does this connect into this universe? Yeah, so Split... Um, on its time of original release, um, nobody knew that it was a sequel to Unbreakable. And even watching through it all, it's got original characters, new setting, new plot, pretty much everything is new. There's only, and also I should mention, Split came in, out in 2016. Yeah. So 16 years after Unbreakable. Um, the only tie-in with actually Unbreakable is an end credit sequence where Bruce Willis is looking up at the crimes of the main character in a small diner. And he, he's looking into, at the end of Unbreakable, um, Bruce Willis starts to almost solve crimes, similar to a superhero. He gets premonitions from touching certain people and he can see their future crimes. And so he goes off, you know, towards the end of Unbreakable to go and, you know, solve more crimes and, you know, go out in the public and, you know, prevent deaths and like a superhero would do. So he sees um, James McAvoy's character from Split on the TV and, you know, he wants to go out and find him because, you know, he's done committed these crimes. But Split, um, I wouldn't say it's horror. It is a bit scary. Don't get me wrong. Towards the end, I would say it's more thriller. Yeah. Uh, so it start, it's a pretty basic plot. James McAvoy plays someone with 23 split personalities, um, really bringing out his acting potential. Mind you, only seven other personalities, seven or eight are only shown in the film. Um, but he, it's essentially he one of his bad negative personalities uh, takes away and kidnaps these three girls. And essentially it's these three girls trying to escape his captivity. And uh, he slowly comes in as all these different personalities, freaking out the girls and they try and manipulate his certain personalities to see if they, one's a bit more flexible that can let them out um, and just trying to find bits and, you know, certain ways just to actually just get out of, yeah, his captivity. Yeah, so, so looking at this, this is sort of his renaissance a little bit in the Shyamalan sort of, because uh, this ends up, and this gives him the ability to then make Glass. Um, yes, the third one well, actually, series. he financed Glass on himself, um, by himself. So, yeah. He was that confident. Mm. Uh, split and gone, went from a $9 million budget to make just under $300 million, uh, across the world. And I feel like that's, uh, we haven't really spoken too much about this, is that if you want it, like horror movies are a very easy way to, Easy is probably a little bit tough to say. Easy uh, to make a box office a hit with a small budget because you can mm. confine. I'm guessing with sort of this and split, 
there's not a load of locations. It's a sort of no. smaller space and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. So it's a little bit uh, cheaper to make there. So McAvoy, so we're sort of sliding across and then moving into glass. But how to split, you just said at the end, no one knew that this was a thing. What's your reactions when that sort of happened, that this was in a sequel and sort of like a shared universe in a way? Yeah, well, I, was, I originally was in the cinema and I had no idea um, about Unbreakable when I saw a split. So when I saw that end credits, I remember people whispering in the crowd. And I was like, what? Oh, Bruce yeah. Willis? That's kind of random. Yeah. Um, no idea, you know, that Unbreakable was the original. So I had to go back and watch that following yeah. this film. But Unbreakable created the superhero and almost split created the supervillain of yeah. the story, really. Um, when James McAvoy's character, because towards the end, James McAvoy, without, you know, turn off now yeah. if you don't want to hear spoilers, but James McAvoy's 24th personality was this super super villain monster, yeah. essentially, um, who can walk on walls. And it got a bit weird towards the end if you're watching up until that point. Yeah. Um, but it makes a lot of sense um, when Glass came out. So Glass was released um, not many years later. So Glass came out last year. Yeah, I 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels a bit longer than that now. Uh, so Glass brings together Unbreakable, um, Bruce Willis, Samuel Jackson, and James McAvoy um, yeah. from Split. Um, and it essentially, it's kept low budget again because um, he did finance this himself. So this is where they're all kind of brought into the same universe and they're all brought to a mental institution uh, where this woman uh, questions their superheroes. And also it's kind of a psychological thriller in a way um, because uh, so she brings, um, I'll just name there, so she brings in David Dunn, his super strength, yeah. um, Kevin Wendell Crumb, who's James McAvoy, and then Mr. Glass. And she brings them in and she questions them. She's like, are your abilities real? She says, you might just be a bit stronger than the average guy. It doesn't mean you have superpowers. You know, Mr. Glass, yes, you're really smart and manip yeah. manipulative. Yeah. Um, you know, can you, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, you're super powered. And James McAvoy, you know, you, you have all these personalities and you can get, you know, strong at certain points, doesn't really make you, you know, a supervillain or a superhero either. Yeah. And as an audience, you're almost questioning this too. You're thinking, well, are they actually powerful? You know, across these last two films, you know, are we just witnessing just, you know, just a, just really strange things happening? Yeah. And, you know, they might just be normal people. And I really like that side of the coin. Yeah. Um, but at the end, um, without, once again, I won't give spoilers because no, you might want to watch this, but they all do break out and, yeah. you know, there's this many bit of a fight scene going on between them, the prison guards and the cops that yeah. come into the situation. Um, it doesn't end, it's a bit anticlimactic. Um, yeah. I can't say I liked the way it ended, um, but it ended in a way that kind of potentially opens up to new movies um, because at the end, Samuel Jackson releases footage of them using their powers through the security cameras of the mental institution. And he shows that to the world, showing that superheroes, you know, Please. could potentially be, you know, are real and they could yeah. be around the world. Yeah. So it's almost, a, you know, saying, well, if you're a superhero, we're superheroes, come out and show the world what you've got. And that's yeah. kind of the message of that film. And yeah, so there could be future, you know, parts of this trilogy. Uh, but no, it, it's a, it, yeah. It's a it's a good good trilogy, good superhero films, low budget, but really fantastic. And uh, Shyamalan Shyamalan has done yeah a really good job of these. So do you see now? Because I know obviously the thing with M Night is 
we're always sort of waiting for uh, twists and turns and a majority of things in his movies. Are we going to be thinking now when it said he's releasing two films uh, that are currently sort of in production now in 2021, 2023. So again, they may change, but are we going to wait for like little things for like an end credit scene or something that these are connected to more movies or is he going to, do you reckon he'll wait another eight years or 10 years and then, try and bring these back in like is that that's a type of thing he would do correct yeah yeah because even through this trilogy there's you know lots of twists as well that Mm. i didn't even see coming personally um in both unbreakable and split and i guess yeah glass as well so yeah i I guess depends on how successful his career was because really between two you know the apart from the early 2000s and up until um split you know his career wasn't on a roll really he had made he'd been struggling yeah, he'd been really struggling. So he probably thought, well, let's connect this to one of my more successful movies last minute and, you know, make a really good third mm-hmm. Avengers light one. And uh, that should bring up the box office numbers. Yeah. So, you know, down the line, if he, you know, doesn't hit a few, you know, good movies, he might connect one of these parts of the trilogy back to another film. Well, pardon me. I think that's a, it's like a safe. Or a sixth sense or something yeah. that he's done well. Yeah. Yeah, he might then throw something here back again. And and that's the easy way is just throwing in one character you've previously had or throwing a picture or something and you go, oh shit, here we go. And that's that's probably how many people then went, you know what, I'm gonna go back and rewatch Split is yeah. to look where this is where this is connected. And that gets your repeat viewing, especially for horror movies, obviously, because they struggle to uh yeah, obviously you repeat viewing uh, sometimes. So now uh, that's, you've you've really uh, improved my knowledge on those, Mace. So thank you. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> so go one, watch them. <laughs> yeah, go watch them now. So the other one I wanted to sort of talk about before you got into a couple of your ideas was Chronicle. Um, yes. The uh, where are we? So the Josh Trank movie from 2012 that was written by Max Landis. So everyone knows Max Landis and his sort of weird and wonderful worlds that pardon me, uh, that he tries to create uh, with obviously a little bit of controversy. And he did also write Bright and produce on Bright, the Netflix movie. So he he had this idea uh, to make this movie Chronicle. Where where does your memory of Chronicle sort of sit? And this obviously brings us our first sort of, not first, but key big sort of productions of Dane DeHaan, Michael B. Jordan um, that are there. What's your first memories of this movie? Um, that it came out during the shaky cam footage period where, um, you know, I think it was 2012, I think Chronicle came out. So during that time, I think you had Cloverfield and you had a few other films, you know, that involved that, you know, that shaky camera documentary stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. Um, And, you know, that that kind of film was quite big, you know, about seven years ago. Uh, And I remember it being quite a good movie. And then at the end, you know, it really went out of proportion. I was like, did not see any of this coming. No. Uh, but I remember it being, you know, a good, yeah, super superhero romp. Well uh, developed. This, mm. uh, this is always my favourite thing for a lot of these directors is how it works. Like you do the smaller production and then you get given the keys to, obviously he got given the keys to Fan Forstick, uh, Josh Trank. But uh, that, that's what I sort of love. It's like, okay, can you do this small small movie and you're sort of doing the same thing. So now we're just going to give you another $100 million to, to spend in big budget because th- this is a lower, it's three guys uh, that coming together, bromances, story sort of thing of how 
uh, three guys can get superpowers. And, and like you're saying, it sort of gives me vibes of Shazam in a way too, of them recording mm-hmm. all, all, all their sort of stuff, working out their powers and uh, and how they are and et cetera like that, learning how to fly and all these, these other things. Because it, it does remind me, like we said in the Shazam episode of, that's what we would be doing. And so the 2012 world they're set in is less social media eyes. Like there'd be YouTube and stuff back then, but it wasn't as big as it is now and, and as readily available and easily to upload stuff. So yeah. that, that's what I kind of loved in that bromance that we don't sort of see in movies as much. And, and I agree with you, the sort of first two parts of this film have great rewatchability for the character development side of things. And then yeah. we have to throw into the big over-the-top fight scenes at the end with Dane DeHaan, what I actually think are very well done and quite memorable. Oh, but, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's not because it's Michael B. Jordan's character who dies, isn't it? Um, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah it's, he, he's the one who dies, and then it's because I was just looking at this Alex Russell bloke, who is the other main guy. Uh, and you know when you're looking at someone's sort of career path, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, you just haven't taken that next level as that everyone else. Like, yes, Dane yeah. DeHaan. It, maybe Dane DeHaan also himself uh, would not be. Uh, as where he would have probably thought he would be now, if that's fair. No, he had a lot of potential coming out of this movie, but unfortunately he's made a few box office bombs that's kind of pushed his rep down a little bit, I think. Yeah, and and in the end, he probably made a smart decision to then sign on to Amazing Spider-Man 2. You would have thought at the time, like, Mm. I'm going to be playing Harry Osborn character for for a bit of time, that that's my my guy. And then obviously our favourite, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. What a movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Please, <laughs> anyone listening, do not watch that film. <laughs> That's one that you just have to get really drunk for. But no, I, I think yeah. that this is why I think Chronicle is sort of represents that time, like you said, of the shaky cam, but represents the, these movies can be made on a smaller budget that you base on character development. What, what I really do enjoy, like, I think this is a really, it, it's a good film and maybe the shaky cam takes it out of you a little bit and the way it's sort yeah. of set up but this this was a bona fide hit for for everyone and distributed by 20th century fox and sort of unearthed some some really good new actors in, in did, yeah. sort of their their major new roles but no what's um any final final things on chronicle yeah well you know going off chronicle you know as you said josh chank did do fantastic for and it did was probably the biggest superhero bomb of all time um but apparently there was lots of studio intervention for fantastic four but i think this is josh with you know very original vision you know he got the he got the money he needed for this film and this is something clearly he had been planning for a long time by himself yeah it was his script his you know most of you know most of it was you know kind of his story um with max landis uh, but I, yeah, and I think, you know, Michael B. Jordan was in this too. So we also found this cast that he really liked. Yeah. And I do, from what I've read, you know, he's, you know, he was very close with everyone around him. So it's very comfortable making this film. And I think the love and care is shown uh, through, you know, pretty much all 83 minutes of this film. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely, yeah, recommend this to everyone listening as well. Yeah, it's short, it's sweet, and it gets a bit weird at the end. But um, no, it's good. No, it's good for us. Yeah, superhero film. I think this is the. He's taken obviously Josh Trank some uh, a massive hit after Fan Four Stick, and and you can see Chronicle is well received by critics, uh, with just under ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, getting a seven out of ten from from a lot of people anyway. 
uh, for a film film that they love. And I think then moving into fan forcing, but it shows again that with a story and an idea, you don't need to always push to that. Sometimes these directors don't need to just, it must obviously be hard. And you obviously, when someone gives you Fantastic Four, you go, yeah, 100% I'm going to do it. But maybe this guy's not that type of director anyway. And he needs like that story and to have that more sort of connection because you can feel this is a Josh Trank movie sort of through it with obviously a bit of Max Landis writing the story, but no. Hmm. So next and is sort of we unearth Aaron Taylor Johnson in in this movie in kick <laughs> in kick ass now. Um, uh, what, what's your first memories of this? Because I remember watching this the first time, and I'm like, yeah, this is a this is a good movie. Like, and I think this is the thing where again we're talking about sequels and and stuff. Kickass doesn't make as much cash, but mm. as as you'd sort of expect, low budget movie, and you know I love uh, my Nicolas Cage <laughs> and things, and this also brings everyone's favorite Mark Strong. Uh, generic bad guy. Into, into, <laughs> he loves you know, it, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, we can. Can we just do a podcast on Mark Strong playing the bad guy? Uh, yeah, we sure a, can. A, a Mark Might Strong two episodes. Yeah, centric podcast. But no. So, what is your first memories of Kickass? Because I prefer the first one by far compared to uh, the sequel. Oh, so do I. So yeah, the first yeah. one made enough money to obviously warrant a sequel. But yeah. I thought because this came out just before Chronicle did. Yeah. And it's a bit more of a Hollywood film, um, yeah. you know, got that bit, you know, double the budget essentially. Um, but it's very crude. Uh, it takes, puts a different spin on, you know, a lot of the superhero movies we saw before. You know, I think it's kind of what a teenager would do. Yeah. You know, we've seen what kids would do if they got these powers, but it, it's almost as if they didn't get any powers. They just want to go out and help, help the world essentially. Uh, so it's pretty much Aaron Taylor Johnson with his girlfriend and his mate, you know, just almost creating a costume and going out to fight, I guess, the crime boss played by Mark Strong. Yeah. And it's, yeah, they're, they're bloody useless, but yeah. he finds Hit Girl um, and Nicolas Cage, who, you know, are their own superheroes in their own right, um, trying to take down this crime boss too. So it's just, it's just a whole lot of banter. And I think it's just a lot of fun. Um, and you know, it's definitely very R-rated. You know, there's lots of profanity, and it can get quite gruesome. But no, it, it's more, probably more fun than some of the other stuff we've talked to we've yeah. talked about today. So, so I remember this as one that you sort of didn't know what you were 100% expecting. And, and again, mm. this is based on uh, Mark Miller, a comic book graphic novel. So, yeah. and that's what uh, Matthew Vaughan loves of loves adapting a bit of a Mark Miller sort of thing. And I think this is just sort of pre, like you were going into the superhero genre as we know it now, again, like 10 years ago, but we weren't expecting, I think, styles of movies like this sort of 100% of that time. And I don't know if you could do this sort of stuff again today, but I just remember sort of like even looking at the poster again, it's blood and guts sort of everywhere, but it's all in their colours and uh, of all their different costumes. And so it's the classic like, bright greens, reds, pinks. So you know who everyone sort of is in, in different ways. And I think this is just sort of like a fun, fun field. you got the guys over, you got snacks. You can rewatch this and everyone's going to have a good time. Is that, a yeah. fair sort of th- is that like a sort of a fair way to sort of say it? And th- there's a lot of also growing up as, as you say, until like this high school and uh, girls and all these things and people think he's gay and, and all this sort of stuff. And there's also gruesome fighting and, 
it's not like because he doesn't have superpowers. Eh? It's just the fact that his body is like just all metal and stuff. And well, none of them take, have superpowers. Yeah, he yeah. can just take a, He can just take a beating. So mm. it's all of them just going like. It sort of feels a bit more real worldy in a way of like imagine if we just see people flying around on jetpacks or like there is just a Batman style person in this. Yeah. So that's what I think is. Uh, it, it's an interesting way, and it sort of puts you into their shoes. Maybe not as uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's character. But maybe as one of his friends to go, this is sort of what you could be and have a mate like this. And, and I like the setup of them at the sort of a comic book shop and, and all those sort of things. That's how he creates his characters. So, yeah, um, I mean, they have the tech and the weapons, but they don't have superpowers. And because of that, you know, you, their lives are on the line. And I think because of that, you know, at the beginning, you know, Alan Tyler Johnson's character is just getting bashed up. Yeah. So, you know, there's no like, you know, big story where he comes on the streets and starts bashing up people. He starts off really weak. And even at the end of it, he still can't do a lot. You know, yeah, he relies on Hit Girl and Nicolas Cage's character yeah. to carry him through a lot of the movie. No, I think, yeah, that's a, that one for me is quite, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's like a coming of age story in the opposite mm, way. In a way, like mm. it's a coming of age story in, in the way that this guy's just you and me who doesn't really have that much fighting skills and all this sort of stuff. And he becomes a <laughs> Thanks, mate. super, yeah, no, well, I mean, it's like if you and I just got this week, decide we're going to be superheroes. Yeah, like, no, we'd, we'd be gone within the first 10 minutes. That, I get oh, that. yeah, you'd be, you'd be gone straight because just your fitness level. I'd be running, I can say the cops are coming. Oh, I've got to get away from the cops. I'm like, <laughs> Like there's no there's no way or imagine being on like a bike or something there's no way it happens and uh again getting away my mazda three yeah yeah (laughs) like there's and then you're like stopping at a light like because you take off from like slowly (laughs) gotta check both ways uh then we go yeah we'd be pretty useless uh we'd be we'd be useless i think it's one of those things we'd all like to think we could do it like Mm. if Mm. one day like i came and had this is a massive segue but if we had the cash, like I could be Batman, I reckon. Like again, just oh, how right. like No, I'm just I'm not saying that. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying I could, but you'd think like oh, I reckon I could do it. Like yeah. there's no way you can, but imagine a Batman in Adelaide, because there'd just be no there's no buildings to look over. Like <laughs> it's still one of my favorite things. This is a massive segue, but like um diverting off, is that in the first Spider Man with Tom Holland, when he's out in like the suburbs and he has to get back yeah. into the city, but there's no trees and like real buildings to swing off. So then you just see him running. I think is just great. That's like one of my yeah. favorite things in that movie, because imagine if you did throw Batman into Adelaide or like at least Melbourne or Sydney, there's some buildings that you could deal with. He'd be no, taking like, the tram. Yeah. yeah, but <laughs> Imagine that. Cause there's no way you can like fly or anything. Like you mm. can get, there's no way crime. Like, like I just think of that sometimes. Like imagine him having to come from, like, you know the 60s Batman where they're in the hills and Batman has to drive yeah, into yeah. the city all the time. Imagine him like coming down the freeway and having to go slowly or whatever, like <laughs> get stuck at the lights, like having to go through the city roadway. It's just like Thor taking the underground in the second one. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. Like, yeah, taking public transport. Like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, that's a massive segue. Just but no, it's, re- it's realistic. It, you know, it gives the message that anyone can be a superhero, mm. not quite in the same way, but you know, it's possible. It's possible. So hmm. Kick-Ass 2. Now, for, for me, this is the classic because this thing gets released. Um, it, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of time after, not, not too long. But this is at the height of like, well, the first one's done well enough. We're going to make hmm. a sequel. Now, it doesn't do well at the box office at all. Now, so the first one only made just under 100 mil. So it's like a touch and go. 
same budget. This one makes 60 mil at the box office. Why do you think this one didn't resonate with people enough to at least make back the original money on the sequel? So where does this sit for you? Well, the story wasn't as strong and I don't, and you know, they had this, you know, the humor and everything, but I also think that Jim Carrey was a big character in this film. And while it was being promoted, he withdrew support um, in the, due to the amount of violence um, and with, you know, the Sandy Hook elementary school shooting. So yeah, he didn't like any of the violence that happened and he withdrew himself from all media, all interviews. And I think that had a lot of people questioning about what the film was going to be like. And, uh, you know, I heard about it at the time and I was thinking, Jim Carrey, you know, pulled out of this. What does this actually mean for the film? So I think his, that, that, that story and that controversy while um, the film was being out and promoted affected a lot of people going to the cinemas to actually see it. Um, I don't think it made a huge difference because at, at its core, you know, it wasn't as good. You know, the villain, it wasn't Mark Strong. You know, you had, uh, you had uh, what's his name? What's the bad guy's name? The kid? The, the Chris, uh, it's the mint. The motherfucker. Place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> his, the villain's name is the motherfucker. And it was, you know, Christopher Mintz plus whatever yeah. name is from the first one. And he was the main villain. And he is not intimidating whatsoever. He is not scary. He's stupid. Yes, he has his dad's money to buy him other superheroes to protect him. Yeah. But as a villain and being in the main spotlight, it's just, just wasn't as fun or as threatening as uh, Mark Strong in the original. Do you think with this too, because his sort of character again, he, he makes his big sort of big role that he originally mm. gets is in Superbad. So that's, that's when he, and then so hiring him as a part of Kick-Ass, that's, that's sort of very close mm. to, uh, at, at the start, like sort of that actor's coming up. So you'd be thinking, obviously he's probably hired straight after Superbad is. Now at this point here, he's not as a big, bigger character as people would expect. Also, so you so like at, when it gets to 2013, he's not a massive draw card uh, in into the universe, uh, and to mm. get people sort of into into the cinema. This one just again shows me it's like sequelitis. We got a different director in, in the end. Uh, Matthew Vaughan's there, but he's as a producer, but he's not obviously. Uh, I think it's probably just producing credit in the end. Story's done by Jeff uh, Woodlayer. Who, who also directs it. So it just doesn't have that same spice like the original and, and no. everything's sort of trying to up it in a way. And I think what made the original great, it doesn't do it in the sequel. And, I know, and sometimes it doesn't, you have to change genres for sequels and, and in trilogies to keep characters fresh. I just think this was like, we're going to just continue on and we're going to hope this is just going to blow up and this is going to be yeah. unreal. And, and it just doesn't hit it for me. I mean, I love the chemistry between Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Chloe Grace Moretz, like yeah. as Hitko. I, I really like the way they play off each other. You know, she's yeah. shooting, at, shooting him in the chest at the beginning and the banter between that. And it kind of does carry on the message of the first one that anyone could be a hero. And in this one, the storyline is essentially there is groups of heroes now and yeah. Tim and Hitgirl do join these heroes to go and, you know, go and solve crimes. Yeah. Um, so it does carry off and is a natural story progression from the first film. But I think uh, the, it's a bit too much of what made the first one really good. It pushes it, you know, it's a little more gruesome. The humor is a little more vulgar and it doesn't quite land in the same way. It's not, it doesn't feel as original as the first. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that sort of hits it. You've hit it on the nail, hit the nail on the head there, I think. Mm. Cause that, that for me sort of, yeah, that, that's sort of, you smash it there. Cause that, that for yeah. me is a hundred percent. I think, 
it's yeah, that's that's the movie for me. And, and I, you look at sort of the characters and stuff again. It's like, uh, is Aaron Taylor Johnson also just sort of? Yeah, I know. I, I think you've yeah, you've nailed it on the head. I'll stop there. You've done well. Yeah, I mean the first one did so well because it was this original IP and idea. And this one just took to the next level and yeah. it drew all the fun out a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, it just wasn't just wasn't the same. No, I think taken yeah. up to the next level. Mm. So, so the next one we're gonna gonna talk about because we'll we'll leave push depending on how much time we have. But I wanted to talk about today because I don't know if as many people know about this film as much, and it's on Netflix. And I think whenever you see Robbie Amell, Stephen Amell, etc., you go like Arrowverse and all this sort of stuff. Like I didn't even know there were cousins. So no, yeah, teenage mm. dramas. Robbie Amell was in heaps of teenage sort of drama stuff where he plays like the jock and and all these sort of things. So Code Eight is a movie that got released late at the end of uh, 2019 uh, on Netflix. So it, it is a, a, just briefly, again, I won't go, in, won't go into too many spoilers sort of stuff or, or we'll set an exact time, but we'll, we'll talk about spoilers for the end of it. Mm. But this movie, I was pleasantly surprised. And uh, sort of two, three weeks ago, I started to watch it and I told you to watch it pretty quickly and I told some other people to watch it. Now, I wasn't expecting much, like I said at the start, because you see the Amel uh, cousins and you go, okay, here we go. But, I was so pleasantly su surprised with this film on, on a very low budget. They don't say exactly how much it was, but it's sort of independently done that I was, I, I really enjoyed this. Like I thought it was mm. quite well done for a lower budget movie about what life would be like if we did have superpowers in this world. Cause we obviously love um, the boys. Both of us love the boys and, and how it would be if people marketed superheroes, but this sort of comes from the world of, we're trying to stop superheroes or they have to be regulated sort of like a, a superhero mm. act. So what's your first thoughts on this? Because I remember when I was telling you about it, you had no idea. And no, no. Uh, they well, used, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I'll just quickly go because I just saw it here. They used an Indiegogo fundraising campaign asking for 200,000 to get this done after they did a little bit of a sort of a, uh, what's the keyword I'm looking for? But they released a short, short film. Period, short film. That's yeah. essentially what it is. Uh, sort of a teaser. That's what I was looking for for a potential feature film, mm. and they ended up reaching two point four million dollars uh, worth of investors. And then the fundraising closed uh, a little bit later in the year, where they just notched over three mil. So, what's your first thoughts on this, Jack? In the end? well, the short film, you know, that ten minute short film they released yeah. in twenty sixteen, yeah. um, obviously got people really excited. So, yeah. And you know, at this stage in twenty nineteen, if you're going to do a superhero film and you don't have the budget of something like the Avengers. You've got to find your own twist and your own spin on the yeah. genre. And what the ML, you know, cousins have done is they've found this spin, you know, They're, they've put it in a world where if people have powers, they're just normal people. Yeah. But, you know, in order to do jobs, they need, you know, warrants and they need yeah. to be regulated. Yeah. And if they, you know, disobey the law, you know, they're going to get into some deep shit. And so they have to be careful. You know, it's not a, it's not a, you know, generic superhero film. No. These, two characters you know the Amel cousins mm. they're they're essentially the villains yeah. and it's showing you know if you are a superhero person in this world and you can't use your powers you're more likely to turn into the villain because you're being regulated and you know you, f you feel this need to hit back at the government and you know the cops and it's been because of that it becomes this half heist film half superhero film yeah. and that's what makes it unique and it, they blend the two genre is very well in my opinion yeah I, I i love the aspect of it also in the way of 
again, how they talk about whether the sort of liquid coming from their spines of superheroes and stuff, that would be the drug of the world. Uh, I honestly think like no one would care about cocaine and, and uh, cocaine uh, and all that sort of stuff in the world. This would be the thing that, and people would be selling as superheroes to, to live sort of their powers and their sort of whatever the liquidy stuff is sort of called in the end anyway. What is it called again? Sorry, just looking. It's like, um, um, I, I don't know exactly what, what it is called, but I like how they also talk about uh, a drug called psych. Um, so yeah, it's flooded the streets in, in a way. And I also enjoy their aspect of like a class system for the superheroes. So mm. as they're saying that, uh, uh, was it Robbie Amell's character is like a class five electric. So they've got yeah. their ranking systems that you and I could be a class one. We're just, we're a nobody. And that means we can probably still continue to work and stuff while being regulated. But, yeah. and how sort of families and work and, and different things and, and sort of the dynamics that anyone can really be or have a kid or a person with, with superpowers. I, I would say 100%, this was going to be in one of my show and tell segments at, at one point, is 100% give this a watch. I think if you're bored, you've got a, uh, a windy, wet day, watch this watch this movie it's two hours it goes pretty quick it's not even it's just under under two mm. it goes quick it's enjoyable there's obviously some cliches here and there but i honestly think for for what they did on this budget they've done like a very good job yeah, yeah, yeah. independent the, movie like a very good job that not many people know about this and they've done an excellent job yeah the visual effects are very good i thought yeah. you know there's a few you know robots and drones yeah. in it that you know you they look legit like yeah. for the budget you know they look yeah. like they would exist in this world and quite potentially be real in a couple of years that's yeah that's yes. I, I i watched it and i was like damn yeah like, so this this looks good like the action set pieces and again you notice a lot of the stuff is in small sort of areas and and how it's done but they've got some good names again uh that, that come through it now just sort of heading into a bit of spoiler territory and, and stuff this is found out a little, little bit later i just want to chat about i really enjoyed it i think it's an underrated thing that could still be looked at i don't think they'll make a sequel or anything but i and i don't think they touched on it just enough to is the um i think it's uh sung kang who is um what's his face in fast and the furious uh is yes. Han in fast and the furious how his daughter is super, has superpowers I would have liked them to sort of play on that a little bit more as he's sort of, yeah, there's the good guy, bad, or good cop, bad cop sort of dynamic between him yeah. and his partner. And he's too scared to talk about it in a way because his daughter does have superpowers. What I thought was an interesting thing and I would have liked that to probably be touched on just a little bit more if that's fair. Just because yeah. Yeah, I think like it was there and it's maybe like maybe a scene or two was sort of left on the cutting room floor. And, and I liked that sort of, the, the addition of, of that in there but yeah it, it's pretty tough because there's some good twists there's some good turns again as mm. the viewer you sort of think maybe something's happening and, and this isn't as uh, good as it is or like for them and but there's some brutal murders and stuff too i thought it was a, just a really good watch yeah and there's some emotional attachment like you said yeah. you know there's the cop in the film um sun kang um and you know his connection is with his daughter yeah. so you do feel for him and his daughter and then there's robbie Emil, yeah. whose mother is getting yeah. really sick and that's why he needs to do this job you know to get the money to support her and that's his love of his life and then one point in the film he says if i don't have my mother you know there's no yeah. point in me living so just arrest me kill me i'm, yeah. I'm not really bothered so there, there's this quite intimate connection between you know wanting to root for him and you know so he can support his mother even though he's committing all these heists and these crimes for um 
yeah, his cousin essentially who play, yeah. who plays Garrett Kelton. So yeah, no, it's good. I think it's you know good good mix of connections and you know gets the empathy going. Yeah. And yeah, no, just a fun fun romp. So I think my my favorite thing for a lot of these things is when they um they pick the ages of characters. Now there is no reason for me at this point. Like I, I love just looking and they go, Connor Reed, who's Robbie Amell's character, is twenty six years old. Mm. Why don't you just mm. make him 29? Because Robbie Mills 32. Like, he looks old. He doesn't look like you and me at 26. Now, uh, no, 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 but he looks old. I know they're looking for ages, but why do we even have to give an age to someone? Because that was when straight away I hate in movies when they're like, and he's 22. And I'm like, well, that guy's not 20. Just make him 25. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, little things. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, I understand. Maybe it's weird if he's 30, he's living at home and, and shit. Uh, I did. I did just, notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Just sometimes when I look at people, because there's times when Robbie Amell will then play in like a teen drama. He'll play the high school jock, and he's 29, playing a role of a 17 year old. I'm like, just yeah. can't we pick someone else? Like, but no, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was. Good. I mean, I'm watching Upload now, the new Amazon series, and even in that, he says, oh, "I'm 27 years old," and I was thinking, "Well, you're not." So yeah, yeah he likes throwing around his age in his movies. Yeah, just being like, come on, buddy. Uh, that's really good, though, isn't it? Upload. I think we're, we're going to talk about that. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying time, it. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, bit off I topic, mean, but yes, yeah, I'll so recommend no, that. Uh, yeah. Pardon me. I think we won't have time to chat about Push because you've got to go in a sec. And I want to go on to a couple of things that we've we've watched because we've missed that in the last couple of episodes. So, yeah. no, I think it, a lot of these movies are good to have a, a, a watch and, and perfect in these times of quarantine times to go back and, uh, we're used to now the $100, $200 $200 million budgets in superhero movies. So going back and again, some of these ones, uh, 70 mil, 50 mil, 25 mil, but I think it's good to go back and, and have a look and, and appreciate some other movies that don't have Batman and Superman and, and Avengers characters in there. Yeah. So okay. now into our show and tell segment, Jack, that each week uh, we want to just sort of discuss what we've, we've watched. Now you were saying you were watching upload. Is, is that one of your, your ones that you've been checking out? Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's, it's, it's fun. So essentially Robbie and Mills characters are the same character from code eight. He finds himself in a car crash and it's set in the future. So in the future, in the show, your mind can, your consciousness and your mind can be uploaded to almost a virtual simulation once yeah. you've died. And so it's his connection and people, the people who man it are just a normal business and they can talk to these dead people and, who simulate their environment while they're dead and it's all these um people who are you know who have passed away in this virtual construct and they can talk to each other and because it is all virtual you know breakfast disappears at 10 o'clock there's no real point eating yet they all eat and there's just all these kind of it plays out you know he's trying to reach for his coke you know in his mini bar and there's micro transaction fees to get his coke he's in this virtual world and it's just a whole lot of little jokes that kind of play on what society is like now and what it, you know, could be like in death in the future. You know, our minds could be uploaded yeah. to a, you know, virtual simulation. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. I like his character in it. And, uh, you know, it's also between his relationship between him and the person who's kind of controlling his environment yeah. on the outer world. And it's a good dynamic. And yeah, I'd give it a shot. Yeah. Watch the first two episodes. I think they're kind of the defining ones. And if you don't like it from there, maybe skip it. Yeah. But it's a good little Amazon show that's kind of gone under the radar. Okay, perfect. So anything else you've checked out this week? Um, I've kept, I'm still watching Defending Jacob. That's yeah. something I still highly recommend. Yeah. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, I've just been, you know, watching Unbreakable and the superhero films from this, from this uh, episode. 
Um, so upload and defending Jacob are released weekly. Is that correct? Or is that uh, uploads? I think most of uploads are out now, yeah, um, but yeah. defending Jacob's up to episode six now and yeah. seven, eight will come out the next couple of Fridays. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, that's a weekly release. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So in, in the end, I, I sort of, before we decide on a topic, I watched a couple of things uh, earlier, sort of after last week. Again, finish the last dance. Again, for everyone who, and I also think Jack for, for yourself would be an interesting watch. I know you're not. I have been watching one. it. Oh, you have. Where, where are you at? Yeah, uh, episode seven. Where what where the last the last episode tens out now, isn't it? I haven't watched yeah. nine or ten. No. Yeah. So yeah, are you enjoying it though? Yeah, I'm actually quite loving it. I find it quite interesting. Like, I yeah. don't know too much, let's be honest. I don't know too much about basketball. Yeah. So, no, it's really interesting just to see his career and, yeah. you know, the you know all the merchanding, merchandise yeah. behind it all. Yeah. No, I, and, no, I think it's, yeah, quite fascinating. He doesn't look well. You no. know, in a lot of his interviews, he does not look healthy currently. <laughs> He's Something's wrong. Yeah. Um, but, no, it's, I, I find it quite fascinating. Yeah, that's, just the money involved. That's what happens involved. when you drink every single day and have that many cigars and stuff. Yeah, poor and guy. He might have something wrong with his liver or something. But, yeah, no, he's um amazing career. Amazing man, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think for anyone, again, for myself, I didn't know too much about Jordan. I, I obviously knew a lot, but not a lot of these backstories. But I think for anyone mm. who loves documentaries, even if you don't like sport, it's a really interesting watch. And uh, the guys who have created it have done an exceptional job to one, get this out. Cause I was just learning before that this wasn't supposed to be out. It was supposed to be out like around now. So once the season had finished, but the NBA asked them if they can get this thing done, cause there's nothing to put on TV. So obviously for the people, then they went into overdrive to get this thing laid finished. And I think that's also why it was released over multiple weeks in, in a way too. So no, I think that's a one you have to watch. Now, another one, Jack, is have you watched Big Mouth on Netflix, the comedy, the cartoon comedy? Cartoon? Yeah, cartoon, yeah. No, because I think my memory of it, it looks really weird from looking at the images. It, it does. And I have to say, what a hoot. What a oh, uh, hoot. So uh, give this a watch again. It's crude and disgusting but also the uh in, in a way without like giving too much weight it's cartoons done by uh, andrew goldberg and nick kroll so when you see nick kroll and then you google his character like google who he is you go oh that guy from comedy things like comedy sketches etc hmm. uh plays sort of himself the both of them sort of play their characters and going through puberty in high school in, in a way, uh, Andrew Goldberg was a writer on Family Guy, so there's a little bit of spin in that and, and how the comedy works. And you listen to some of the voices and you go, oh, it's that guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's, it's this character here. And I think mm. it's a really interesting watch in a way that no one really wants to go into puberty growing up through high school and sort of things that happen. But when you think back and look at it, you go, this is the beauty of a Netflix sort of platform because they don't have to worry about ratings and you don't have to worry about, no. you know, uh, a studio essentially going, oh, well, you can't do that. You can't do that. Apparently Netflix just said, go for it. We like what you've done and just keep making content. So it's an interesting watch. Again, if you're looking for a little bit of a comedy, wouldn't watch it hundred percent with your families and stuff, but it does look weird. Give it a shot for the first couple of episodes and I'm just sort of drip feeding it while there's sort of some things in the background and stuff. So I enjoy, enjoy it there. And I think it's a, a beautiful thing like Netflix is that you can just sort of create these shows because yeah. it reminds me a bit of like adult swim back in the day on your cartoon network. Mm, that's what night. I thought. That's what yeah. I, yeah, I appeared like. Yeah. So if an adult swim was now, I think that's who'd take it up. But mm. now that's the beauty of Netflix is it can sort of go on. It's been renewed for four, five, six seasons now. So it obviously is getting the views in that way. And I hadn't sort of looked at it until a, a couple of weeks ago. 
the only other one I wanted to quickly chat about before you got to get out is I watched finally yesterday the Beatles movie uh, that was out last year. Now, you watched that yesterday, mate? Nah. <laughs> and that is the end of the podcast. Uh, no, 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 so I just watched that. And it's one of those ones that I think we went through a time in 2018, 2019 of uh, movies around artists and around bands. Mm. And that was sort of the, the blow up at the time with obviously the Elton John movie uh, and then uh, the Queen movie there too. So uh, I, I didn't mind yesterday. I, I like the concept and I think it's a pretty easy one. I hated the ending, to be perfectly honest. I would give it a watch. Mm. It, it's a kind of a cute uh, sort of rom com style of thing. Yeah. Like you said when I messaged you uh, about it, you're like, Ed Sheeran's so shoehorned into this, it's not even funny. He can't act yeah. to save his life. And <laughs> it, it's like the, the thing where they're always like, oh, you're the best person ever and you're better than I am. It's like, is Ed basically then saying he's the best ever? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I, I was like, sometimes I was listening to some of the things he's saying and I'm like, Eddie, you essentially saying I'm the best ever, and I can write a music, I could write a song in ten minutes, but yeah, the Beatles are the only ones better than me. Is, is like, is that just me reading into it a little bit too much? No, it, it came across in that way because yeah. you know this guy. Just to you know, for those people yeah. who don't know the plot, this guy gets knocked off his bike and woken yeah. up in a world without the Beatles songs. So he pretty much knows them enough to create them himself, and he oh, takes yeah. credit for them all. Uh, but yeah, bringing Ed Sheeran into it, like that's an original enough of a story to start with. You can make so much from a guy, you know, who d knows all the Beatles songs no one else does. Yet they feel for some reason to bring Ed Sheeran into it to, you know, whether it's the star power of him to bring in people to the film, but he's not needed. No. You know what I mean? Mm. I think he could have been needed just in that sort of first part, like literally Cameo, just that yeah. first, first mm. bit where it's like, okay, the reason why it's the UK is met now, the producers and stuff. That's it. Mm. That's him done. That maybe have that write-off battle where again he, he picks a song or whatever, and then we don't really need to see it again. Maybe until like really to the end. But no, yeah. I, I kind of hated against spoiler territory for all of this now. <laughs> if you're listening, because I just wanted to get this off my chest. Now, if this is you in this situation, Jack, there is no way in hell. As much as you want to tell the chick um, and tell everyone the truth, because the truth is always better in that way. No one else knows about the Beatles besides those two other people. So why do you feel like yeah. you have to, you could make a career for 50 years on this music and live happily. You could even after you've released this album that he's said to be releasing or whatever it is, then never do the music again and reap royalty checks for the rest of your life. Then go and do your teaching at schools because that's apparently what you want to do. But at no point at the movie, he really goes, he only ever wants to be a singer songwriter. That's like yeah. the thing that he wants to do. And then it's always like, oh, I could go back and be a teacher. At no point he loves teaching. So then why is it now that he likes teaching? Like, that's the thing that annoyed me at the end. I'm like, yeah. just take the money. The chick's still probably going to love you because you've just never told her that you actually that's like true. her, essentially. Like, yeah. you have, but it's not like, you, she's going to come live with you in bloody America. You're rich as hell. Like, that story, it just annoyed me sometimes because I'm like, if you're going to be the biggest superstar in the world and the chick loves you, I'm pretty sure you're going to get her, maybe? Yeah. Am I wrong in that respect? No, you're right. Because I find it I find it good in a way, though, that the film, he doesn't go back to normal life. You know, at the yeah. end, the Beatles still don't exist. Yeah. And there's a really funny bit at the end in the, you know, just before the film ends, he finds out in this world, Harry Potter doesn't exist. Mm. So he's like, oh, more money there. Yeah. Um, I'll be stuffed. I can't remember the Beatles lyrics, nor the Harry Potter words on the in the books. I'd be stuffed no. either way with that knowledge. Yeah. But 
Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, but it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, yeah. I, like you said about the Harry Potter stuff, I kind of didn't, I would have, as much as I hate montages sometimes in movies, I would have kind of liked him to do a montage of stuff that wasn't there. I know they drip feed it, but it's like every time he goes, oh, I could go really go for a Coke. And then they just play off the line that it's like, like a Coke. Like you want yeah, like that's with yeah. Pepsi. and then you're like, okay, but like I'm pretty sure, like I understand how the world is then, but what are all the people who worked at the Coca-Cola factory then doing? Like, when you think about it like that, like Coke's had 80 years know. of history. Like, really, are those people all dead now, or are they doing something else when they wake up? They oh. must. They must yeah. be either going to Pepsi factory or. Yeah, yeah. And I know, was just, I was just thought of it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But no, I think it is a nice sort of little movie, and it's cute. And I, I think the the problem with that is, it's you sort of look at it and you go, yeah, good movie, it's fine. But mm. I feel like it's sort of rushed in in that way. I think they could have made it a little bit tighter. I also thought yeah. it was really really weird in that one bit where at the end, uh, sort of when he's about to release, or he's releasing that album at that hotel in the UK. He's in his like mm. green room and there's not a single person there. It was kind of awkward. I'm like, so does this character have no friends? But I know then they droop, like his mum and dad come in and they take the sandwiches. And then that the girl he likes comes in with a, the uh, other guy who was the producer and obviously a new boyfriend or whatever. It's like, does this guy not have any other friends that are coming to sit with him in his green room yeah. before? Like I kind of found it awkward. I was like, Is this, does no one like this person? Like and then yeah, I was trying to think from of, Lily James, yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I was just like, wouldn't you expect him to be there? Like, I know, I just those little things. I'm like, are you trying to say that this guy's not very well? Like, just as a person, he's also not very like. Because I don't have my friends in that green room. Like, at least invite you for free sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> maybe they were busy on the day, or maybe yeah. it just shows that stardom, you know, creates you know an isolated no, life where you can't create those friendships. I don't no, know. No, I think you've probably nailed it there, hundred um, percent. So no, that was one that I watched. I also watched the old Twenty One, that blackjack movie over the weekend. Great uh, film, great film. Yeah, yeah. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, again, yeah. I've always looked at it and I'm like, I don't want to watch it because of bloody Kevin Spacey, but I just watched it, so I was like, okay, I haven't seen this yet. I have kind of enjoyed it. Uh, you haven't seen it yet? Oh. Yeah. You hadn't seen I mean. it. Yeah, I hadn't seen it. That was the first time I saw oh, it. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. no, it's great. Yeah, I'm glad you yeah. watched it then. Yeah. yeah. No, so it's always one of those ones I think, and that's a very classic uh, for us here in Australia because the majority of you listening are from Australia anyway, but that's like a classic Channel 10 movie over like winter and it's shown on like a after the main movie or something on like, it's like an 8.30, 10, like 9.30 movie on like a Friday night. And I watched yeah. snippets of it and I knew about it, but I never really watched the whole thing. So mm-hmm. really good movie. Interesting enjoyed it that main character's mm. never gone on to anything ever again really uh no based off a true story in yeah. some regards yeah, yeah. so no I, I thought it was interesting good watch um sort of perfect netflix movie that you scroll past every time when you're bored and you can't find something to watch and then i'm like i just why, why, why don't i watch this so no yeah I, I finally out of all the so stars much. in the film i would have never guessed josh gad to come as the biggest celebrity yeah. out of that film 10 years later yeah. and he played like, the good smallest role the smallest role out of that uh oh, small, yeah. but he's in it for like a little bit but obviously not a main character so no uh yeah. no what a i did enjoy that movie a little bit it's on that sort of rewatchability factor and it's, it's easy to go back on so no mace that's that's the end of uh, episode 10 or as you call it episode 9 um <laughs> of the podcast <laughs> Sorry, for the joke. thanks, mate. Uh, but no, uh, everyone, where can everyone find you? 
Uh, Mason, so yes, so Jack underscore Mason22 on Twitter and Insta, screenblend.net. And Will, what are your uh, links? Uh, we'll be cuts on all forms of social media. Again, if you want a topic for us to discuss, uh, you can message us on all of our social media platforms or send us an email at screenblend2019 at gmail.com. And follow us on the social media, interact with us again. Give us your thoughts on the movies we spoke about today. What do you think about yeah, the Snyder Cut and, and how that's going to play out i'm sure we'll be discussing that in breaking news over the next couple of weeks months and year whenever this gets released how funny would it be if this then just like releases like 2024 and it keeps getting pushed back like it just uh, like oh, imagine then there's more, yeah, there's more studio meddling and then it's like they get someone else to come in and do it that'd be too good and uh, we know that won't happen but i was just thinking Fingers crossed. you never know maybe it will uh again most thank you very much and thank you to our listeners for listening and watching Please stay safe over the next week and we will see you again next week. Yeah. Yeah. Stay safe and uh, have a good week, everyone. See ya. Bye-bye.